Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. This is Richard here again, and it is our joy to be coming to you today. Prayer is one of the most excellent means of nourishing the new nature and of causing the souls to flourish and prosper. It is a way to a life of communion with God. Encouragement from Jonathan Edwards Cultivate a habit of communion with God. This will produce that inward peace which will make you superior to your trials. The Wisdom of John Flavel You don't need me to tell you of our tumultuous times. Yet, as the Bible says, we were born and reborn for such a time as this. Fear not what we see around us. Prayer brings us the abundant life promised. Our host, Fred, would love to encourage you to a growing, biblical, dynamic, sincere prayer life. And now, here he is, Fred. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. And indeed, my name is Fred, and I am the podcast principal. As I was thinking about that in our introduction a little bit, a few days ago, it occurred to me that when I say my name is Fred, prayerfully, that is the least important fact you will ever learn on this program. It really is true. Who I am is of least importance in the podcast. There are reasons that I started this and that I believe God has moved on it. But again, those are all beside the point things. I said when we first started that there is no earthly reason for you to find this podcast. I don't have any platform. I'm not famous. I'm not well known. The only job I have, even as inadequately as I've mentioned it in the past, it is to testify what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has done for my soul. And I do believe, again, with my whole being, that if you found this podcast, if you have found us, Whatever the mechanism that you got here by, the Holy Ghost orchestrated that mechanism. You will find encouragement for your prayer lives and hopefully some exhortation and motivation to pray. But I do thank you for giving us a listen and seeing what encouragement you might get from us here. And when I talk about what the Lord has done for my soul, without any hyperbole or overstatement, I'm telling you that prayer puts everything that God has done for my soul into perspective. And his promises of eternal life have been affirmed. The only way it can be, through prayer, through converse, the old Puritans would say, prayer and the word of God, and conversation with my Savior, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The earliest thing I remember, and I recall, we may talk about this in days to come, was that Jesus was my Savior. After a time of reading God's Word and being serious with God, I realized He was Lord. But even in submission to Him asking for salvation, there's an implied Lordship there as well. But that took a little while to learn fully. After that, He became the sustainer of my soul, the only thing that kept me going. And now in my life, He's my refuge. He's the rock cut out without hands, the Old, the Old Testament says. And he's the rock that is higher than I, and that is who I cling to. My Savior Jesus Christ, the Father who sent him, and the Holy Spirit who activates the will of God in my life. But that flow that I just mentioned 
from Savior to Lord to Sustainer to Refuge to Rock, that flow was advanced by prayer and the Word of God. So today, my heartfelt prayer is, wherever your soul is canned right at this moment, you might be in the valley of the shadow of death or beside, or beside green pastures with the cool water very close. Your conversation with God, again, praying and reading, is the only thing that makes your abundant life sustainable. Life wears us out, and we do get run down, and we do get discouraged. And without the Word of God, the promises of God, and prayer talking to Him, the abundant life isn't sustainable. You can't do it by yourself, and no circumstance can make you have that abundant life. It has to come supernaturally from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In that vein, today we are privileged to start a two-part program on the mainframe of our prayers, you might say. And the reality is this. Sometimes I'll be watching TV or listening to the radio or a podcast, and I hear somebody, which is the only reason I stay listening to them, but I'm compelled by their personas. They may be their true selves. They may be a persona, a, a facade that they are giving. But whatever the truth of that is, I am compelled by those personalities. And I have, a time or two, as I can recall from my childhood, fancied a time or two or 326 times, thought about a conversation between myself and those people I'm drawn to on the TV or radio or whatever. And I've thought about those or, or how I would answer questions. Sometimes it's a skeptic. And I think, how would I answer that question to that guy? And I have thought about those things in my mind. But the reality is, you would call me delusional if I claimed one of my favorite Christian guys to listen to. His name is John Lennox. He's a mathematician and a scientist and way smarter than I, than I am. And I've never envisioned a conversation with him because he's way too much. I'm not even, I couldn't even actually talk to him most of the time because of how smart he is. But if I told you I had a relationship with John Lennox, you would be concerned for my mental health. Because I don't. I listen to him. I'm edified by him. But I don't have a relationship. A growing, dynamic, sincere parlay with a person, John Lennox in this case, is the only thing that we can use to claim a true relationship. That's the foundation. Who we are. I've said it before. We have been redeemed to have that relationship. And on that foundation, that rock, is built the subfloor of a prayer of conversation with God. And that subfloor is built on the spirit and faith. And those are vast areas of thought and contemplation. But we're going to touch on the spirit today, and we'll touch on faith next time. And they won't be fully blown, but, but we will touch on them. I thought about this too in, in modern day analogies, like a computer operating system. That's our relationship with God. So our relationship is that operating system, how we use our computers and what they do for us and the tools that they are to us. In that same analogy, I hope it works, our keyboard or our voice or the screen, those touch screens, that's our interface between the operating system and us. And our interface is the Holy Spirit and faith. And that made me think about this. When computers first started and you had even computers you could bring home with you, the mouse, the computer mouse, was one of the 
first inventions that helped make personal computers explode. Because early on, and I remember watching my friend who had a computer or my friends who worked on computers, it was all done through code and you had to type in things to get the computer to do what you wanted it to do. And you may or may not be old enough to remember things like read that told the computer something specifically. I don't know what it is. I never learned that stuff. Or data, or go to, G-O-T-O, or for, or next, or go sub, or D-E-F. All of those things were early computer commands. I think they call it a language now. But you used those to make your computer do what you wanted it to do. I love my computer. I love my smartphone. I love my iPad. Because all those things have helped in my Christian life. They really have. They've helped in my my life in general as well. But before those things, before that mouse, working with your computer was pure grammar. If you got any of those things wrong, if you got your go sub in the wrong place or, or spelled with a different letter or your go to or your data, if you got those in the wrong place, your computer didn't work. It didn't do what you wanted it to do. But prayer is not just plain grammar. And in fact, for simple-minded people like me, working with those commands and that language was more boring than it was useful. And there's a reason, following along that, there's a reason we don't use the Lord's Prayer as merely a prescribed prayer. We've talked about this before. Number one, Jesus told us not to, not vain repetition, not the right words like a a magic spell. That's the framework of prayer. Prayer is our heartfelt conversation, our community with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when you think about it, the foundation, our relationship with God, that's the basis of our communication. And think about the prodigal son. He was away. He realized what kind of life he was living. And so he he set up a set of commands, a set of requests or computer commands, you might say. He told his father, he, he said in his mind, what I'm going to say to my father is, I'm not worthy to be your son. Can I please be your servant? Basically that. But as he walked up and as he started to talk, the father didn't listen to his grammar. The father listened to his heart and the fact that he was there. And so prayer is not just script. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for today. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your mercies. I would pray right now, Holy Ghost, you would come and even whenever, through time and space, and wherever, through time and space, anyone finds this episode and listens to it, that you would move in ways only you can to teach them today, in the next few minutes, what they need to know about prayer that would encourage them to talk to you and to talk to you continually. This time, Holy God, is your time. Make it fruitful in only the way, the supernatural way you can. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, move to make your will happen. Amen. Now, we know in general, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. That's in John. And our leader. That's all over the Bible. He convicts us of our sin. Back to John again. He's in charge of our growth, our spiritual growth towards God. We know those things in general. But he also fulfills those earthly offices in our communion with the Father, with the Godhead. And Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. 
and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So we have right there, along with the command to put on the full armor of God, Paul tells us to pray at all times in the Spirit. Now we're going to drill down this way briefly today, this way. Being filled with the Spirit is in large part being filled with the Word of God. Now the Bible interprets itself. So when we come to Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, we read, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And then, so that's Ephesians, then we turn to Colossians three fifteen through 17. And we read there, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and to be ye thankful. That's the old ASV, sorry. Back to the word, though, back to Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Those are what we call parallel passages, and being filled with the Spirit causes the same actions as being filled with the Word of God. So primarily, being filled with the Spirit or walking by the Spirit is walking by or being filled with the Word of God. They're synonyms. Now, walking in the Spirit or listening to the Spirit is also more than that, but that's the, that's what it is in its very basics and in the, the majority of the concept is that, knowing the Word of God, living by the Word of God. I was a little timid on that and wasn't exactly sure what I was going to say. And then I was listening in my car the other day to a sermon by a man named Martin Lloyd-Jones. And Martin Lloyd-Jones preached a long time ago, and he famously did not want a radio program. In those days, that's all there was. But he didn't want a radio most of his his preaching career, but he didn't want to be on the radio because he wanted the Holy Spirit to move. And as I was listening to this uh, sermon that he gave on Psalm 1, he got to the end. You could tell he was kind of wrapping up. And then he said to everybody who was listening, but most, mostly to himself, it could have been an inner conversation. He said, did it sound like I was going to something like, did it sound like I was going to let you go? Shame on me. Shame on me for thinking I was going to end there or letting you think I was going to end there. And it was obvious he had more things to say, but he outright said, shame on me. I'm not following the Holy Spirit. And so he preached another few minutes and they were some of the most passionate and compelling words I've ever heard him preach because he's moved by the Holy Spirit. He was dedicated to that. He wouldn't give his outlines out because he didn't know how the Holy Spirit might lead him from day to day. And that brought me back to this episode. I want the Holy Spirit to speak, and it's going to be longer than typical already, because I want it to be what the Holy Spirit has to say. 
So listening to the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit, is walking according to His Word. And we are trained by His Word. As we grow spiritually, we are trained by it. How to work, how to live, our thought changes, everything changes. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And we find what's important to pray about. And it's the spiritual and not the temporal. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, one of my favorite verses. Therefore, also, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. And as we learn His Word, we learn what is pleasing to Him. And our prayers are energized by the truth of God's Word and His Spirit, who, you know, wrote the Word. And I don't know if you have ever been in a prayer time with other people and hearing, I can't think of anything that would not be more filled with hypocrisy or missing the point if we only prayed the content in some of those prayer sessions. If that's all we prayed, if that's all our prayer lives were, prayers for help, prayers for a new job, prayers for money, prayers on which choice to make. Many times, prayer times, community prayer times are filled up with those, almost like a list of people's hurts. But when we are in the Word of God and we're growing in the Word of God, it gives us graphic evidences of how to please God, of how to go back to 2 Corinthians 5, 9. And I know I'm not saying don't pray for health, don't pray for jobs, don't pray for money. That's what's on people's hearts. That's what they should be talking about with God. And when they ask us to, that's what we prayed. But that's not the content of our prayers, not all of it. And I just pulled out a short passage here from Philippians chapter 1, 9 through 11. This is what Paul prayed for the Philippians. And certainly there were sick people there. There were people who were hurting. There were people there who needed to make decisions. But this was his main prayer for them. And to this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may prove the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In almost every epistle, Paul prays, and he prays something like this for the people he's writing to. Yes, we pray for those mundane things, but no, that's not all we pray, is those mundane, mundane things. We pray for the spiritual growth. In this case, with the Philippians, real knowledge and all discernment. And those things cause us to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And Jesus Christ is praised for those things. So when we talk about praying in the Spirit, we pray according to His Word and what He says is important. Now, you guys know I pray through the Psalms, and I figured it out the other day. I get through the Psalm, the total of the Psalms, every five months, and I cycle through Psalm 119 every 21 days. So you might ask, and it would be a good question, how do you pray according to the Spirit when you pray through those Psalms? They haven't changed. Not only have they not changed in the last five months, they haven't changed in a couple thousand years, some of them, more than a couple thousand years. So how can you say, pray by the Spirit, if you read those scripted prayers? And that's a very good question. And I have a couple of examples. One, you'll go, you'll be praying through the Psalms, and you'll, there'll be, there are sections of the Psalms that pray against the enemies of the psalmist. 
and he'll ask for victory. David will, or one of the other psalmists will, or for their enemies to, to be defeated or turned around. And there have been sometimes in my life when I have had at least perceived enemies. And I use those occasions to pray about that. But most of the time, I don't have a prescribed enemy. I don't have somebody that I perceive is trying to harm me. But there is always the devil. And he is the enemy of our soul. He is God's enemy and the enemy of our soul. In fact, the only reason he's our enemy is because he hates God and he hates Jesus. So we can pray about those things for protection, for overcoming So we mold those times when the psalm, or I mold those times when the psalm says, talks about enemies, to the circumstances that I have right now. But I have even a better passage for you. Psalm 149, verses 6 through 9, the psalmist there says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. That's believers. That's in his day Israel. For us, that would be the church, kingdom of God. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them judgment written. This is an honor for his godly ones. And that was absolutely true in the time of David. You'll remember James and John wanted to call fire down on a city. And Jesus said, no, you don't know what spirit you are of. We are in a different age, God's kingdom, where his God is, where his word is supposed to be spread. So when I come to those of verses, I pray, let the high praises of God be in my mouth, in the mouth of my children, and a two-edged sword in our hand, the word of God. That's the sword of God, the word of God in our hands not to execute vengeance, but to pray for mercy and acts of mercy and kindness on our enemies, not for their punishment, but, O Lord, would you forgive them? Give them the grace you have given me, not to bind them up in their chains. That's not our job anymore. Our job is to pray and ask that they would be loosened from their sins. They are slaves to their sin, both high and low, praying withhold your judgment, Lord Jesus until you give them a chance to repent or for them to repent. That's the honor that we have now. So you take those psalms, or I take those psalms, and I move them around as need be in the moment. So they become less prescribed prayerfully and more along the lines of what the Spirit wants now. And there are times when it's hard not to pray judgment, but our job right now is mercy, to tell of God's mercy. Now, I have just one other example here on this one is I have a couple of passages that I pray for my family. I pray them every day, the content of them every day. And the two passages I have chosen this year for them, I asked them and didn't get much of a response. So I chose some passages. But the two passages that I pray for them are kind of lengthy. And at least once a week, I read through both of those passages. And then on the other day, days of the week, I skim over them, and whatever stands out to me, that's what I pray for them. For instance, this morning, one of the passages I pray is in 1 John 4, and verse 17 says, By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. And then verse 18, 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because if you fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. And I just prayed my family would be steadfast in their knowledge that God loves them, and they wouldn't have fear because God loves them. So again, when we pray that the Holy Spirit supersedes our prayers, that's one of the ways we can do it. We have the Word of God in front of us, or we have a godly principle in front of us, and we pray in the moment what that person needs or those people need. So we can pray the very Word of God, the very words, if we want to, if that's how we express our souls, and still ask the Holy Spirit to form those prayers and make them worthy prayers in the moment. So we have the knowledge of God's Word, which leads us to discernment, like Paul prayed for the Philippians. Then we have the knowledge of God's Word that gives us what's important to Him to pray. And then we ask the Holy Spirit to move on those prayers, to change them as need be for this moment. The next time I will tell you a, pray, a prayer that I pray verbatim every day never changes because of its content. But for today, we have the Word of God. We have it, the very words. We have what's important to the Holy Spirit, to God in those words. Then we have His leading as we pray through circumstances. And lastly, and this will be the shortest, I cannot tell you, I, I honestly cannot tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has moved on my heart and mind. Sometimes I get out of bed and pray for them. Sometimes I'm driving down the road and somebody comes to mind. Sometimes I can just be sitting and doing nothing or reading the Word and somebody will come to my heart and I will pray for them. And I cannot tell you how many times I have done that and then learned what that person was going through either in a season or even in that moment that made those prayers make sense. So we listen to God's Word, we read it, we, we get knowledge and discernment, but then we move when, when God puts on your heart, and, and many times I'll call them up, and they have a need that I can meet, or they have a need for somebody to pray for them. So move, trust the Holy Spirit that He is putting someone on your mind for a reason. And even if you never learn in this life what that reason is, it doesn't, rem it doesn't matter. If you feel prompted, stop and pray for them. And say, like Martin Lloyd-Jones, shame on me that I'm ignoring the Holy Spirit in this moment. We respond to the Holy Spirit in those three ways. Discernment in what His Word says. What particular meaning in this moment does this passage possibly mean? And then responding to what's on our hearts. And just really quickly here, I just want to throw this in. There's a reason, I believe, that Jesus says when he's talking about prayer, that the Father's not going to give you a snake or a stone, because sometimes we pray for those things. And so always, always as well, try to catch yourself if you find yourself praying for something you're pretty sure the Holy Spirit is not down with or consenting to, double-check the reason or what you're praying for, because He's not going to give us what is against His will, except maybe in judgment. The so what today, and I know it's taken a while to get here, is that praying in the Spirit is first and foremost praying according to His written Word. We take from it concepts and priorities and sometimes the very word. I've heard people pray a lot as well. Lord, put, put a hedge about them. 
keep them safe from whatever? That comes right from Scripture. I think that's from the book of Job, where Job, where God had a hedge around Job to protect him. There's nothing wrong with that, if that fits the need for the moment. So first and foremost, we pray according to his written word, his priorities, the very concepts, the heart of God, and it also leads spirit-led discernment, knowing the word and then discerning what a person needs right at the moment. Even as we pray passages, we can do that and then responding to every prompting of the Holy Ghost to pray for somebody, whoever he brings to our attention. Pray for that person. Sometimes that happens and you're not moved, but if you are moved or if you are concerned all of a sudden for someone, pray about that and pray for them. We pray according to the written word. We pray according to the discernment and priorities from that, and we pray as the Holy Spirit prompts us to pray. So that foundation then is always again, just to add to that real quickly, is to add Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, please move on my prayer today. Call on him to come beside you and help you. And he's probably doing that anyway. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for your mercies and your grace and your power and your peace. Again, we present to you everything that we have thought, every word that we have heard, Lord Jesus, every word that I have spoken, and just pray that you would take everything that's unworthy and set it aside and everything that's worthy and move your people to draw near to you in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the direction of the Holy Spirit, to pray at all times for all the saints in the Spirit. Help us meditate on these things. Help them make a difference in our lives. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it is to you who we call, and it is to you who we pray, because you have the power and the authority, and will for your glory answer these prayers. Amen. In John, again, Jesus says, But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine, and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, and therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. That is the God, the Holy Spirit, that we have been commended to. Thank you for listening. The next full episode will be on praying in faith. Brethren, in the intervening days, let's pray for one another. As always, thank you for listening. We look forward to hearing from you at www.frponprayer.com or freerangeprayer at gmail.com. And for all your voiceover needs, go to richarddurrington.com or durringtonr at gmail.com. Keep your dial here for our next episode. And if you have a dial, you just might need an upgrade. For Fred and I, have yourself a prayerfully fun-filled day.